0: Well, we live in a world where everything changes. My voice is changing. I think I've hit puberty. And uh, so expect me to uh, act like I have a lot more testosterone. In the coming months, I've got a pretty bad cold, but I know many of you are praying for me, so we're going we're gonna to make it through this today. Everything in our lives changes, doesn't it? Just try and focus on what I'm saying and not what it sounds like, all right? Our phones change, our computers change, uh, our clothes change. Uh, we're, we're born and we look out at the world through these windows of our eyes, and and from the beginning we notice that our bodies are growing and changing, and eventually they start aging and wrinkling. <laughs> and the people we grew up with, they move away, or we move away. Uh, we just live in a world full of change, and human society throughout history has always been changing. I thought with it being Super Bowl Sunday that we'd have a little fun with it. We did with the cell phone ads. And now we'll have a little more fun with some visual illustrations of how culture changes. Here's the first one. You know, at one time in history, this was the look, okay? And if you were anyone who was anyone, you had a powdered wig. Uh, These were expensive, okay? And can you imagine? I mean, really, anyone who was anyone, if you were a serious business professional, You had one of these, okay? Uh, There's a time when that's how life was. Uh, Here's an advertisement from a magazine. Uh, For a better start in life, start cola earlier. (laughs) Okay, and now let's zoom in on the bottom here. Uh, How soon is too soon? Well, not soon enough. Laboratory tests over the last few years have proven that babies who start drinking soda during the early formative period have a much higher chance of gaining acceptance and fitting in. So do your child a favor. Start them on a strict regimen of sodas and other sugary carbonated beverages. This was the leading edge of culture, right? Now, here's one. You know, they say sex sells, but I guess sexism used to sell. Look at this Volkswagen ad, okay? Sooner or later, your wife will drive home one of the best reasons for owning a Volkswagen. Here's what it says. Obviously, completely inappropriate, okay? Women are soft and gentle, but they hit things. If your wife hits something in a Volkswagen, it doesn't hurt you very much. VW parts are easy to replace. Can you believe that? This is a multinational corporation, and this is their advertising strategy not too long ago. Hairstyles change. Let's look at uh, 1970s. A nice haircut there, from the 70s. Now let's move up into the 1980s. You know, looking good there, looking good. And now into the 1990s. You know, thanks to MC Hammer, <laughs> MC Hammer pants. So last but not least, I thought we'd close out with this 7Up ad. It, it's just so wholesome, you know. Give it to your your babies by the cupful. It's so so wholesome. Well, changing of life unfortunately doesn't just affect funny hairstyles and advertisements. It also affects our bodies. It affects our relationships. And there's this tension in our life, isn't there? That the best moments, the things in our lives that seem the best, are fleeting. They're temporary. Last night I was singing and praying with Jack and Zoe and. My voice was starting to sound like this, and, and Jack said, Daddy, my heart is full of love for you. <laughs> I mean, just, just out of the blue, you know, he's trying to say I feel bad for you. He says, my heart is full of love for you. And, uh, and it's one of those moments where you wish, like, man, I wish I could freeze this moment and live in that moment forever, but I can't. Change is comical when we look at it in ads, but usually in our lives as we get older, As our relationships change, people move away or pass away. Uh, It's it's not always funny. It can be painful. Robert Frost put it this way back in 1923 when he wrote this well-known poem, Nothing Gold Can Stay, talking about the seasons of the year. He says, nature's first green in the spring is gold, her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief. So dawn goes down today, nothing gold can stay. Kind of (laughs) depressing. But isn't there some undeniable truth in that? I wonder, what are the changes in your life right now that are throwing you off balance? What are the, 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 in this constant churning, changing of, of life... What changes of relationship or health or finances uh, are right now have, have thrown you off? Maybe it's the rapid change of the culture around you. The values that used to, to be clear in the culture are, are just being abandoned and new values are being adopted. Changes in your family. Changes as children move off to college or as parents move to assisted living or to the next life. Beneath the constant shuffling and changing in our lives, I think we all long for some good part of life to just be reliable. We all long for just one thing that won't change, you know? Wouldn't it be nice if there was just one thing we could count on in our lives? I know I'll have to update my phone every few years and my computer, but wouldn't it be nice if there was just one or two things That wouldn't change. We all long for that. And there's good news for us today from our creator. We're going to see this in God's word today. In an age when everything, everything gets outdated, we have a life map in the word of God that is timeless, that is unchanging. We have a God through our relationship with Jesus Christ who is closer than a brother, who will never leave us or forsake us a God who never changes. And while that might not be great news if it was our spouse or someone else, right? That's good news with God that he never changes because he's perfectly loving. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly patient and kind and gracious. And we're in this series studying Psalm 119 and we're seeing that the word of God, scripture, is more than just a book, It's more than just a religious text. It's the promises that flow from the heart of our unchanging God to us. And so in a world where everything changes, in a world where nothing seems certain, we have this guide, this map for life that is timeless. If you want to turn with me to Psalm 119 in verse 89, we see this. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. So even when the earth melts, even if the mountains shake, even if even if the earth shakes, God's word stands. It's eternal. And the more I build my life on this unchanging word, then the more secure and coherent my life becomes. I move from having a life that's built on the the shifting waves of what goes in and what goes out. It's popular to believe or not to believe or look like or not to look like. Instead of a life tossed to and fro like that, I can have a, a stable, consistent life that's built on a timeless, unchanging truth that is much bigger than me and whatever I'm feeling on a given day. Well, last week we started this series called The Playbook because we were talking about football because it's Super Bowl season, okay? And we talked about how a quarterback, if you watch the game today, and you'll see them look down at their arm, and they've got this little flap here. And we learned, some of us were disappointed to learn, that those are not text messages from the quarterback's wife. And they're not even photos of the quarterback's child. They are the playbook. That is, everyone on the team has these plays memorized. And they know when the play starts, where to run. And they run those plays by faith, not by sight. That is, the receiver knows to run a certain direction and he's going to cut to where the quarterback's going to throw the ball and he's going to start running there before the quarterback even releases the ball. It's a playbook. Everyone knows the play and they run the play by faith and not by sight. And, and as we looked at ourselves, we realized that really all of us live by a playbook it's not if you have a playbook it's what is your playbook and how do you know well you know when you have a really difficult decision to make who do you look to for guidance on that <laughs> you know what's under the little flap when you just don't know what to do who do you ask for advice where do you go for advice do you look on your facebook wall for an inspirational quote that will give you some guidance you have a friend that you call who or what is your playbook In life. And last week we saw this from Scripture that there are three playbooks or life maps. We're going to call it today a life map, according to Scripture. There might be more than this, but throughout human history, Scripture describes humans commonly using one of these three. The first is self wisdom, self wisdom which leads to death. We saw in the book of Proverbs there's a way that seems right to a person but the end of it is death. When you don't know what to do in life, do you kind of go by what you think is smartest? That's self-wisdom. And God in love tells us there's, there's a better playbook than that. You can do better than that because as objective as you think you are, you're not. Your emotions are fickle, and, and our own hearts, Scripture tells us, can be deceitful. They can point us to the wrong things. Another common playbook is culture wisdom, the wisdom of the society around us. And and that's always changing. But what's not changing is that we have this human desire to fit in. And We talked about Germans who lived in, in Germany from 1938 to 1945 and looked at some quotes of different Germans saying, I never really hated the Jews. I was just kind of going along with what everyone else said to do. They followed culture wisdom. Culture wisdom leads to clones, Romans 12. It says, don't be conformed or molded to the shape of this world, but as followers of Christ, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? By reading our playbook, God's wisdom, which leads to freedom. God's wisdom, which leads to freedom. So I think most of us who profess to follow Christ would, would say on paper would claim, yeah, this, I want this to be my playbook. But last week, we kind of drilled down into our hearts a little more to say, is it, is it really? Am I the kind of Christian who just sort of casually, when it's convenient, when Jesus helps me out, when I've hit rock bottom, uh, maybe then I go to church, read the scripture. But really, when the sun is shining and there's money in the bank and I've just gotten a promotion, then I really just kind of live by my own wisdom or the wisdom of the society around me. We're challenging ourselves in this series to be honest with ourselves and really ask ourselves, what, what really is my playbook in life? So with that in mind, let's read our text today. Psalm 119 has about 20 of these little sections and uh, it's an incredible chapter and you don't have to read the whole chapter at once. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. You can just read one of these little sections. You could read a few verses. And that's what we're going to do today, starting in verse 90. Your faithfulness, God, it continues through all generations. You established the earth, and it endures. Your laws, they also endure to this day. Why is that? Because all things serve you. God doesn't create evil but God is so ingenious that he can even turn evil in the long run to accomplish his purposes for good. As a follower of Christ, you have that promise in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of those who know Christ, who are called to his purposes. doesn't mean all things will be good or pleasant, but we have this master engineer, this unseen guiding hand in our lives, and he is so powerful that he can even work unthinkable evil for unexpected good as we continue to walk by faith and not by sight verse 92 if your law had not been my delight the psalmist is writing here from personal experience if I hadn't had your guidebook in my life I would have perished in my affliction I will never forget your precepts for by them you have preserved or saved my life save me For I am yours. Why? Why am I yours? How do I know you? Because I've sought out your precepts. So in an age when everything gets outdated, we have this life map. We have this guide book in the Word of God that is timeless. Let's look at some reasons why. Why can we make such a big claim? I mean, that's a huge claim to make about a book. So let's look at some reasons why. We'll start with some external reasons. That is reasons beyond ourselves and our feelings. Here's external evidence number one. In every season of my life and across thousands of generations, God's life map stands unshakable. Okay, this is true. There are are children right now in our church family who are three, four, five, six, seven years old, and the bent of their human heart at times is to hit their sibling or to lie or to scream, to do all all sorts of things that are in all of our natures. And as we teach them the Word of God, And that Jesus died for those things we do wrong. And when we ask him to forgive us and give us the power to do what's right, we can see in the youngest of our children that that God's word gives life and light and enables them to be, as a secular person would say, a better person. They're better behaved. They're better to be around because of God's word. And we see it in our college students who we've, who we've sent off to college and, and, and the generation above that who now they're going out and they're changing the world. And it's because of what they believe about that people are valuable. Why are people valuable? Well, because they're made in God's image. Well, who told you that? Well, God's word told us that. That's why we love people. This is what makes the best Christians the best Christians is these words of God. And we see it all the way up to the oldest generations among us. As, as those among us go peacefully and joyfully from this life, not afraid of death, but, but so full of peace because we know that this world was never home and we're going to our true home. In every season of life, this book works. You're never going to have a stage of life when it doesn't. And it has worked across thousands of generations. I love this verse, 90. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. Now in this case, what we're reading today, we're reading a a book, Psalms, that is 3,450 years old. Okay, this was written around 1,500 years before Jesus, and it's speaking to us today. Now question, if you went to a Barnes and Noble, uh, how many books from 1,500 BC make sense today? I looked at a few of these these, this last week. Um, I I looked at the uh, the Hittite Military Oath, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Dynasty of Dunham. Sounds like a 1970s soap opera. The Dynasty of Dunham. Looked at all these contemporary literature that we have from 3,450 years ago. If you read literature that's even 1,500 years old, let alone 3,500 years old, so much of it is as funny as those ads that we watched. I mean, there's just these crazy ideas and these crazy regulations, and, and yet this book, the Word of God, somehow speaks into our lives today. It's speaking into our lives right now, and we're not the only ones. I mean, these words spoke into Moses' life, into David's life, into Jesus, who was the living word of God among us, who quoted the Old Testament dozens of times, to Peter and Paul's life. There were Roman emperors who, who shaped Western civilization because they believed in this book, Constantine and others. Through human history, you've got philosophers like John Locke, Key politicians like John Adams, who laid a lot of the groundwork for the United States. Physicists like Isaac Newton and Blaise Pascal. Leaders like Abraham Lincoln and the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. What did all these guys have in common? They lived by this book. This book gave light and wisdom to their steps in life. It's proven through thousands of generations. So there's a personal implication here for you. God has given you an unchanging standard on which to build a secure life. When your life feels insecure, when your life feels unsure, it is our nature and it's the luring of our adversary to say, hey, look to the people around you and the culture around you to give you stability but instead we can look to an unchanging guidebook, playbook, life map that we have in the word of God. Are there areas where your life seems insecure? Are you grasping for the hope that people won't change, that my body won't age? (laughs) Look instead to your unchanging savior, to his unchanging collection of sure promises for you. Well, here's a second external evidence that God's word is good and unchanging. Evidence number two, the Christian Bible that we hold. It is the best-selling and the most influential book in human history. This is a fact that you you might not learn depending on what school you go to in school. And it's incredible to think that 3,500 years ago, the psalmist looking on the other parts of God's word says, your laws endure to this day. I mean, at a time when one nation would conquer another and they would rape and pillage and they would burn everything that the last civilization had. This psalmist says, through all the tumultuousness that I've seen, your word stands. And here we are 3,500 years later and it still stands. A life playbook. All life playbooks make claims. They're all going to claim if you do this, that'll happen. And being rational people, we can measure those claims. Do the things that the Koran says? Do the things that the ancient Buddhist texts say? Have they come? Is there truth in them? Have they proven themselves? Well, here's the word of God claiming. All throughout this chapter, that it will never be snuffed out. And here we are, and we're among about two billion people on earth today who look to this book as the standard for what we do and believe in life. Unchanging in its helpful advice, proven through generations on every continent, in every culture. So no matter what you believe about God, if you look at this book through a historic lens, you actually look at where it came from and how it's been preserved. No matter what you believe about, if God even exists, if you give an honest look to this book, you'll have to acknowledge that it's extraordinary. Uh, For me, that was a big part of me really coming to the Christian faith for myself. I had pushed away from it entirely, wasn't sure if there was a God, and then I started to research where did this Bible book come from anyway. And if you'll really look at the facts, you'll see it's an extraordinary, it is a -a one-of-a-kind book in history. It's without doubt the best-selling and the most influential. I now quote from the illustrious Guinness Book of World Records. Although it is impossible to obtain exact figures, There is little doubt that the Bible is the world's best-selling and most widely distributed book. One survey concludes that between 1815 and 1975, around 5 billion copies were printed. So, I mean, a book nowadays is a big bestseller, you know, if it sells more than 100,000 copies, okay? Between 1815 and 1975, experts believe 5 billion copies of the Christian Bible. Now, who knows how many from 1975 till now? The Guinness Book of World Records continues, and it compares this to what might be the second most printed book in history. It's been reported that 800 million copies of the red-covered booklet, quotations from the works of Mao Zedong, China, were sold or distributed in China when it was mandatory So you've got 800 million versus 5 billion. And uh, if you haven't been, you know, I'm not good at math, so I always have to talk this out. So you go 800 million, 900 million, 10 hundred million would be 1 billion, okay? So, So there's that, and then there's 5 billion just between 1815 and 1975, many more since then. And get this, this is a really... In 1971 the promoter of that Chinese communist literature Marshall Lin Biao died in an airplane crash and ever since then the book has kind of Isn't it interesting the Bible doesn't like need a promoter? It just continues to march on. I made up a little quote here for you guys. In every century some will claim the Bible is outdated. When you run across people who do it's nothing new. They might think they're being really original, but they're not. Then, 90 years later or sooner, those people and their words are forgotten, while the Bible remains influential for billions. So, you know, people can laugh at me if they want for me believing in that book. That's fine. In every generation... There are philosophers and leaders who say, by the time I die, the Bible will no longer exist. Christians will no longer exist. God is dead. Those people all die. And they all get forgotten. No matter how big they are, give them a century or two, and the the dust of time, the sand of time covers them up. In our time, there's a brilliant, brilliant atheist man named Christopher Hitchens. He was a great writer. He was one of many who have declared the death of Christianity. And then in 2011, Hitchens died of cancer. And you know what? Some people right now of influence still know who Christopher Hitchens is. But 100 years from now, He'll be buried in the sands of time. His words will be buried, but billions of people will still be looking at this book. So don't let the arrogant of our time intimidate you because the reality is the Bible's gonna outlive them no matter what they say about it. And that's an implication for you. I don't have to be intimidated by people who ridicule the Bible. I'm gonna love them I'm going to treat them as created in God's image because of what the Bible says. But the Bible's still going to be speaking long after they're gone. So, the psalmist here in Psalm 119, and we could keep going, but we've looked at a couple external evidences. Outside of my subjective, emotional, human existence, here are some proofs of this claim that, I mean, the scripture says that it's a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. It says that it guides us. So so here's some of those external claims and proof of them. Now let's look at some internal evidence, things that we experience when we choose to make the Bible our life map or our guidebook in life. Here's first internal evidence is I begin to trust God's life map during personal affliction and difficulty. When you do that, you will see that it strengthens you and sustains you. So now we are moving to the subjective, to the experience. And like experiencing um, skydiving, or cliff jumping, if you've ever been at a place where the water's really deep at the bottom of a cliff and you can jump off. Or marriage. Or having a newborn crying in the middle of the night. Right, there are things we can know about, but we don't really know them until we take the jump. Until we take the leap. And this internal evidence is, is one of those. You can kind of know about God's Word. You could even be able to quote a bunch of it. But, but have you taken that jump where you're in a time of difficulty in your life, a time of adversity, a time when everything around you is shaking, and instead of picking up the phone or turning on the TV or looking to something else to give you stability, you open this book and you say, God, who doesn't change, speak your stability into my restless world. Show me your unchanging heart in this world of change. And when you do that, you'll be able to join me in this psalmist in saying, verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, surely I would have perished in my affliction. The, the more you do that, the more you run to God's word, because you're running to the heart of God, you're able to look back in life and you say, wow. God was there for me then. And if it hadn't been for his word, which shows me his heart, surely I would have perished. There's no way I would have made it through that difficulty. But I did because of his word. If not for your word, O oh Lord, I wouldn't be here today. I wonder, is there a difficulty or an affliction in your life right now? And in that storm, you can test this out. And the Psalms are a great place to run to, by the way. You know, part of, I mean, the the Bible's a big book, and we've just studied it enough. If you don't have a good study Bible, uh, we can get one for you that helps you understand, you know, that certain books were for certain times, and the truths in them are still for today, but obviously we don't sacrifice lambs and other things. And it helps to know where we are in God's story and which parts of it really kind of most directly speak to where we are. And you run to those places, and there's great truths in the other parts as well. But knowing where to run in the book of Psalms is a great place to run to. Let's look at verse 93. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. I wonder, right now, If if you thought about all the different domains of your life, your health, your career, your finances, your relationships, your personal hobbies, your personal domain. If you looked at all these different areas of your life right now, which of them are most following the playbook? And which of them are, are most not following the playbook? What areas of your life are least defined and shaped by God's word? Let's look at a second internal evidence. This is one that we continue believing. We start to experience, and we will experience it before we know it here. When I breathe my final breath on earth and open my eyes in eternity, I will see that the life map guided me safely home. And what's what's great about this is... We walk by faith toward that day, but every step that we take in faith, doing what the word of God says in our marriage, doing what the word of God says with our finances, doing what the word of God says with our desires, doing what the word of God says with our our needs and our hungers. As we step out in faith, God, your word says, do this. It's not what I wanna do. As we do it, each time we take that step, we see, not always immediately, but we see, wow, God's word is true. God's word is right. God's word has been so good to me. God's word has protected me from myself. And as we walk in that faith, our, our trust in this book and the promises of God just continues to grow and grow until that day when we take that final step across that threshold and our, our physical fallen body Dies in our eternal inner person, our soul. Oh, opens, we open our spiritual eyes and there we are. Everything we believed is there. Verse 93, I'll never forget your precepts for by them you have preserved my life. You have saved my life. In other words, it's not just that God is going to save me at some point in the future. It's that as I trust in him, And make his word the standard for what I do, I daily see him saving me, preserving me. Verse 94 Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. Now we could go on and on. Psalm 119's got a lot of verses in it. But here's my heart for you all as a pastor, as a shepherd as one who Scripture says in Hebrews 13, that I will give account to God for your souls. I'm not going to give account to God for your choices, okay? You'll give account to God for your choices, but I'll give account to God for if I told you what his word says about him. And here's what I see around me. I see today a lot of Christians who say, oh, yeah, I love Jesus, but you don't have to take the Bible too seriously. And here's what grieves me as a student of Christian history is that throughout Christian history, whenever Christians say, oh yeah, we're still all about Jesus, but you don't have to take the Bible so seriously. Whenever that happens, and I mean, whenever it happens, that sect of Christianity is one or two generations away from completely losing the Christian faith. We saw it in America in, in the early 1900s. You, you had not all Lutheran and Methodist and Episcopalian churches, but a lot of them, a lot of churches in those traditions started to say, well, we still believe in Jesus and helping people and everything, but you don't have to take the Bible so seriously. And you know where those churches are now? The churches that about 70 years ago all decided that? Well, now they don't believe that Jesus was God, They don't believe that he was born of a virgin. They don't believe he died on the cross for our sins. He was just a good teacher, okay? And when you give up the word of God, you lose the heart of God, and it's just a matter of time. This is one of these choices we kind of have to make. Like, well, if I I really want to give up the word of God, maybe I don't want to be a Christian, but it's like it's one or the other, you know? You can't kind of be in the middle there. I cannot be a consistent follower of Christ until I make his word my consistent life map. Now, God still loves you, right, no matter what you do. You're saved not by your performance but by God's grace if you've accepted that free gift of forgiveness. If you've had a moment where you said, God, I know I'm a sinner and I I need Jesus' work on the cross to save me. So this isn't saying you'll lose your salvation if you're not reading your Bible every day. But what does Christian mean? Well, it means follower of Christ. If I really want to follow Christ, then I'm going to look at the playbook and I'm going to see how Christ lived. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, I'm going to live that way. Not perfectly, but hopefully more and more consistently. Well, I wonder, have you committed to make the Christian scriptures the standard for what you do and believe? And as we close, I, just, I want you to imagine for a moment. Uh, imagine not a church that's subject to fads or political changes or human leaders, but a church that's built on the unchanging standard of God's word. Imagine a family not built around the magazine ads of the day, or the popular parenting trends of the day, but built on the changing, changeless, proven, ageless instruction from the creator of the family. Imagine not a marriage built on feelings alone, but a marriage built on the guidance and loving advice of the one who created marriage. And imagine your life. Imagine your life no longer tossed to and fro by the waves of circumstances. Imagine your decisions no longer dictated by, well, if I do this, it'll please that person. If I do this, it'll please that person. But imagine a life of confident decisions anchored in the timeless, unchanging promises of God's word. It's guided millions of people for centuries and generations, never Have the promises of God let down a soul who looks to them to find the heart of God? So let's make it the standard for how we actually live our lives. Would you pray together with me? Father, we thank you that uh, when our voices fail us, when our sound systems fail us, when our friends fail us, if even our mother and father forsake us, that we have everything we need in you, our creator, and in the promises that you have given to us. Lord, I pray right now for the men and women in this room. I know the majority of them know you as their savior. They've been adopted into your family. They are your sons and daughters. You love them so much. Lord, we come to you collectively. And we just declare to you today, Lord, we don't want to live our lives on earth by the wisdom of this world. And we don't want to live by the wisdom of our own deceitful hearts. Lord, we want to make your word the guidebook and the playbook and the life map, the standard in our lives. We know if we'll look to it humbly and with our hearts that you will shape us and shape our lives to be what you desire thank you that I've experienced that as Moses did and as Isaac Newton did and thousands and millions of others. And I, I pray that every man and woman in this room would have the joy of in the darkness, seeing your word light the path and them following you one step at a time. So we commit to you, Jesus. We trust you more than we trust ourselves we trust your promises more than we trust our hearts or our circumstances or our culture. Keep us true to you. Make us the men and women you want us to be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.